Good morning. How about to turn to the person beside you and just give them a high five for Jesus or shake their hand or just look at them and give them a nod and say, good to see you. You're looking good today. If you're at home, uh, you can type in the chat. Good to see you. <laughs> so good to gather together and be together as his church to celebrate what God has done in our lives. Amen. Amen. Today is our, our final message in our series on what on earth are we here for? We've been talking about the purposes of our life and uh, I know a lot of our life groups are going through the series, uh, the Purpose Driven Life series on what on earth are we here for, which the series has kind of loosely been based around. But today my, my topic, uh, sorry, before I say today's topic, we've talked about worship, we've talked about fellowship, we've talked about ministry and discipleship and my topic for today is mission. You're really excited about that. <laughs> Sorry, that's uh, not trying to twist your arm. Because um, to be honest, I feel like before I even start to talk about mission, I feel like I need to just rewind back uh, for some of us 20 years, for some of us 30 years, for some of us 50 years, for some of us maybe 70 years. Because I feel like we need to rewind, kind of zoom out on our lives and think, what, what track does our brain go down when I say the word mission? Because I think there's so many concepts in our brain that we say a word and we instantly think of this, this, and this, and this. You know what I mean? I wonder this morning when I say mission, if, if you're thinking, yeah, you know, I've got a mission. I'm a receptionist, I'm a school teacher, I'm a plumber, I'm a mum, I'm a dad, and that's my mission. My mission is, is where God's called me and I'm kind of, I'm, I just want to be the presence of Jesus in that place. And if that's your concept of mission, then fantastic. That's beautiful. That's a, a great answer. For some of us, when we say the word mission, though, we automatically think overseas. We think, yep, I went on a trip back in 1987 and it was awesome. For me, it was 2012. Uh, no, what year was that? Uh, 2001. It sounds weird saying just 2001. It was like 2021, 2009. 2001, I went to Papua New Guinea. It was fantastic. Uh, changed my life forever, seriously. Uh, and maybe you're thinking overseas, yep, I pray for overseas missions. I pray for, uh, pray for the people I've met. Pray for those that we've, we, we send money to. And that's fantastic. And for others of us, if we're brutally honest, we, we hear the word mission, we're like, yeah, nah, that's not for me. You know, that's for like those mission people. I'm, like, I'm, I'm more like a discipleship kind of guy. Maybe that's what you're thinking. Or maybe it's like, yeah, you know, mission, that's, that's good for some people. I'm more like, I'm, I'm like a fellowship kind of guy. You know, like we just like to have a good time. Or maybe you're a, yeah, I, I just love to worship. Like mission people, I can go do their mission thing, but I'm just going to worship. But I want to say God is calling each of us to all these things. This morning when I say the word mission, I'm not, what I'm talking about is evangelism. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you are called to the mission of evangelism. I want to start off by reading the, the verses we finished with last week as we talked about discipleship from Matthew 28. In verse 18 to 20, it says this. Just open there. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples after his death, death and resurrection, he says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. So it's not just here, it's everywhere. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age, even to death and beyond. He is with you. But his calling for us is to be disciples who make disciples. I was going to put a thing up on the screen where I ran out of time and uh, you might have seen it before anyway. It's, a, it's called the Engel Scale and it's kind of, it has a, a, like a, a chart and it has negative 10 on one end and it has positive 10 on the other end and what's in the middle of negative 10 and positive 10? See, if you're awake, come on, you've had an extra hour today. Between negative 10 and positive 10 there is zero and there's the numbers in between, negatives and positives. And uh, the Engel Scale is kind of saying everyone is on the Engel Scale somewhere. That we're either somewhere between negative 10 and positive 10. And to be negative 10 is to kind of have no belief in any God. There is no belief in any supernatural thing. It's just life here and now and that's it. That's kind of, if that's you, you're, you're a negative 10. That's just where you are. And um, on the other end of the scale, we've got Jesus. <laughs> and we're being conformed. We're being... Um, sanctified by the Holy Spirit and he wants to make us more and more like Jesus and it's total trust, total surrender, total living for God and it's total belief and trust in everything God says. And we're all in that spectrum somewhere. And the process of discipleship, as we looked at, we did a whole series in 2018 called Firm in the Faith by, and we did a life group series by Barry Chant. We talked about how discipleship is the whole journey, that we, we, we need to grow into relationship with God. It's when we cross, when we get from zero, 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 point zero, 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 negative point zero, 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 one to then positive point zero, 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 one. It's like that's that, that's that step of faith to saying, yes, I'm going to put my trust in Jesus Christ. I'm going to surrender to Him. I'm going to live for Him. And as a process of growing and working out our salvation, as we talked about last week, but God wants to grow all of us. He wants and and just. Growing as a dis disciple, we're, we're on a journey. But if you look at the, the negative 10 to, to zero side, it's kind of where we talk about evangelism, that we're trying to help people who don't understand the love of God to grow into a relationship with God. It's, it's a process for a person who doesn't have any concept of God to suddenly go, you know what? I think there's something. And I'm like, praise God, I agree. <laughs> And I love chatting with people and just hearing where they're at and, and, and just helping them reflect on their own thoughts. And, you know, I was thinking about this and I don't think, unless people are lying straight to my face, but when I chat with people who don't know God, I've never had a person finish the conversation and say, you know what, I am more sure God doesn't exist now. Praise God, I hope I never do that to anyone. <laughs> but I, I think as we bring up the questions, we help people grow towards a relationship with God. God has called us, if we know Jesus Christ, to be a disciple who makes disciples. We are called to the mission of evangelism. This morning what I want to do is I want to look at the Luke chapter 10. And I want us to kind of journey through it and see a few different things that it brings out. We're not going to read the whole chapter. But I want us to think about this calling that we've received to mission, to the mission of evangelism as we look through it. Just before we get to chapter 10, we're going to read the last couple of verses of Luke 9. In Luke 9, verse 57, it says this. 
It says, as they were walking along, so Jesus and the disciples, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Now I want you to try and picture this. They're walking along a road. It's not like a footpath beside the freeway. It's, it's a gravel, dirty road. And uh, if you've seen The Chosen, you can kind of like picture the, the gang walking down the road. And just try and imagine this. It was one of them walking along with Jesus. He comes up and he says, I will follow you wherever you go. You sort of see, he's like, I'm with you. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. I wonder if you were that guy who said, I'm with you. He'd be sort of like, okay. I'm just saying I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you, Jesus. And it goes on. He said to another person, come, follow me. The man agreed. But he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, Yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, Anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. When we hear this passage... When we hear it, it can sound super extreme. You can feel like, Jesus, that is just not fair. But we need to look at it in context. And if you go back and you understand the culture and what they're saying, he's, the man who's come to Jesus, his, his dad hasn't just died. And he's kind of like, they're planning to have the funeral tomorrow. And he's saying, no, you can't go. you just got to come follow me. The man's saying, you know, I want to go back and I want to work with my father and, you know, he's, he's getting a bit older and I want to help him in his business and then one day when he passes away, I want to sell off the business and then, then I'll come follow you. Jesus is saying, no, you, you can't put this off. You can't just wait another 10 years. I'm calling you to come follow me today. And if we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, if we understand what God has done for us, we will know in our hearts it is not right for us to turn away and to focus our lives on any other thing than sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with this world. To, our, to allow our lives to be about any other thing when we know the Saviour of the world who has come for this world, there is no other calling worth living for. As it says in verse 62, Jesus told them, anyone who puts a hand to the plough and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. If we know the gospel is the answer for the world, we are called to sow seeds of the gospel. If we know the gospel is, this, is the, the message that will save the world, God has called us to, to put a hand to the plough and start tilling the soil. These aren't my words, these are the words of Jesus. I would put it much softer and more gently, but Jesus just gets to the point. I just want to pray before we continue on that God would just help us to, uh, to absorb what he wants us to hear today. God, I just thank you so much that you know us and you understand us completely. 
Or even when we, when we don't understand ourselves and our own struggles, our emotions and things that are going on in our lives. God, I thank you that you know us completely. God, I just pray this morning, even as we talk about this mission that you have called us to, to evangelism. God, I just pray that you would do something within us, that it wouldn't be a guilt trip, that it wouldn't be a we should do more of this, but God, you would do something in our hearts. God, for anyone in the room that they've never understood that your love is for them, that Jesus, you died on the cross for their sin so that they might know you and have relationship with you. God, I just pray that we would cross that line today. God, I just pray for those of us who, who know you, God, that you would draw us, Lord, that you would stir us to give our lives to now follow you and honour you, God. Help us, Lord, I pray, as your church to, to help this city, to the, this region, for this nation, for the world to know that you are God, that you are the saviour of the world. I pray you, Lord, that you would lead us this morning in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's turn across to Luke chapter 10 and verse 1. And it says this, The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. So Jesus is walking along with the disciples and then he, he, he calls the 72 and he sends them out. And he goes on and he explains if they welcome you, then, then stay with them, eat with them, whatever they put before you, enjoy it and, and be appreciative of it. And he says, but if they don't welcome you, then keep going. And wipe the dust from your feet and they'll be worse than Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment. And it says that the disciples, they go out, they do these things and it says that people are set free from demons and people are healed and they come back, they're so excited and, and they're, they're kind of like, you just imagine them like, whoa, this is crazy. Like Jesus, this is, this is happening. And then Jesus says in verse 19, let me read it. He says, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Yes, you have been given all authority in heaven. You've been given authority in Jesus' name. We can pray for the sick. I, I praise God that we've seen people healed on Sunday mornings. We pray for people and people that have had earaches, the earaches have gone away and people that have had knees that are broken, needing reconstructions. God's healed them in a moment. I've been healed of glandular fever. I had a broken back and then was healed overnight. And God does supernatural, miraculous, amazing things. But I praise God, not just for what He does in this life, that He has set my soul free, that He is my Saviour, that He is the one who has given His life as a sacrifice for my sin, and that my name is now written in His book, that I will enter His gates, I will spend eternity with Him. Because, you know, this, this body will be buried in a grave. I reckon a cardboard box would be fantastic one day. This life will, will decay. His life will be over in a flash. But Jesus came and gave his life that we can have eternal life with him. 
I feel like Jesus is holding up a big caution sign. He's sort of saying, watch out. Yeah, guys, there's some awesome stuff happening. You know, there's, there's people getting healed. There's these things happening. But you've got to be careful, guys. These things aren't the answer. Doing these things won't save you. Doing these things won't help you in eternity. Helping people is great. Doing things to be kind and loving, and, and is, it's wonderful. But Jesus is saying, don't rejoice because of these things. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Let these things be done out of a joyful response to what he has done for you. Now at this point, of course, Jesus hasn't died and risen again. They don't know all of God's plans of what he's going to do, but we know the plans of God. And he's saying, be careful, church. Rejoice because your name is written in heaven and respond out of love and go out and do these things in his name. Let's keep reading from Luke 10, verse 25. So straight after, the, he talks to them about those things. It says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what, is it, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbour? I really wonder what this guy thinks he's going to gain by expanding the question a little bit by asking, And who is my neighbour? About the only explanation I can think of is that he's like, Jesus, you know my neighbours. And he's going, Jesus, and who is my neighbour? You know, I've got two neighbours. It's like this one, he's a great guy. And like he goes to the synagogue every week and he, he, he worships God. But you know, Jesus, you know that other guy. It's like, Jesus, and who is my neighbour? And he's, maybe he's thinking, you know, he's, Jesus is going to say, yeah, love this guy and yeah, forget about him. But Jesus does the exact opposite. And he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. I'm not going to read it all, but basically Jesus tells the story of this Jewish man, the, one of the, the, the cool guys, the good, the good guys. The Jewish man, he's walking down the road and it says that he's attacked by thieves and they, they beat him up. They, he's, they leave him half dead on the side of the road and take all his belongings. And then Jesus says, and a priest comes along and he sees the man half dead on the side of the road and instead of going to help him, he crosses the road, walks by and pretends not to see him. And then it says a Levite, a, a temple helper comes along and, and he sees the man beaten up on the side of the road and he crosses the road and walks by and keeps going. And then he says, and a Samaritan, one of the despised enemies of the Jews almost, they're like the, the half, half castes. He says, a Samaritan comes along and he sees the man beaten up on the side of the road and he goes to him and he picks him up and he bandages his wounds and he picks him up and he puts him on his own donkey and he takes him to an inn. And he finds the Eden Keeper and says, you know what, I've got to keep on going on this other town, but here's some money to, to pay for a room for this man for as long as it takes. And please would you look after his wounds and I'm going to come back in a couple of weeks' time and, and if it costs more than this to look after him, I'll pay you the difference when I get back. And Jesus turns to the man who asked the question, and who is my neighbour? And he says to him, 
Now, which of these would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus says, yes, now go and do the same. Just before we stop and reflect on these verses, I just want to read the final five verses of Luke 10 before we kind of reflect on the whole passage. Because, you know, sometimes we get so zoomed in, focused on one passage of Scripture and, and miss the context of a passage of what it's saying. Luke 10, verse 38 says this, following straight on after the story of the Good Samaritan. It says, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. As we, you know, actually, this message, I, I, I read this passage back, uh, when was it? Start of February, in my Bible reading plan, I read this and it just jumped out at me and whacked me across the face. <laughs> As we look at this passage, we see these thoughts. I'm just going to summarize them up on the screen. We see Jesus saying, don't turn away. He says to these one, he says, come follow me. And these people come to him and say, we're going to follow you. We're going to go wherever you go, Jesus. And Jesus says, yeah, but don't turn away. If you see who I am, don't put your hand to the plow and then walk off. Don't turn away. Then he calls the disciples and he sends them out and he says, you know what, first of all, pray for more workers because the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Don't turn away. Pray for workers. Then he says, you have authority. I have all authority and I'm giving you authority to go and, and, and pray for people to see the sick healed and to see the, the broken restored. But ultimately... He says, celebrate your salvation. Celebrate that your name is written in the book of life. Don't celebrate these things that you can do for me. Celebrate the salvation that we have through Christ's death and resurrection. He says, love God and your neighbor. How do we do that? By helping the hurting by helping those that are broken, helping those that don't even realize they're broken, realize their need for a savior. And then we come to the end of chapter 10 and we see the story of Mary and Martha. And I just see, see Jesus uh, and the way this, this chapter is put together, sort of saying, yes, don't turn away. Yes, pray for workers. Yes, you have authority. Celebrate your salvation. Love God. Love your neighbor. Help the hurting. But then just stop and sit at my feet. Just stop and enjoy your relationship with me. Don't just try and do it all. You're not the saviour. I am. 
This morning, I just want to make three really brief reflections on this passage as we think about our mission of evangelism. Number one, God wants you to know Him today. God wants you to know Him in your life today. He wants you to know His presence with you right now and every moment of every day. He wants you to know that He is with you. Not He was with you five years ago and you know you had that amazing experience with God and kind of you've said, yes, God, I'll surrender my life and now I'm just going to live for you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go there. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And God's just kind of like, whoa, come and hang out with me. God wants you to know Him today. I think about the, the passage where Jesus says, on the last day, many will say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We did these things in your name. We saw these mighty things happen in your name. And you'll say, away from me, I never knew you. Let's not just get in the focus of let's do, let's do, let's do. We need to stop and say, God, thank you for your presence with me today. Thank you for your saving mercy and grace. Thank you that my mercies are new each day. God just doesn't want you to think about one day in five years' time, in, in ten years' time, when I, when I kind of finish up this thing, maybe you think about the man who wants to go back and bury his father, he wants to kind of finish the family business and then sell that off and then he'll come follow Jesus. Maybe you're thinking, you know, in five years' time when I've, when I've graduated from uni, when I've uh, finished work, then God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my life to you then and I'm going to have more time to spend with you then and I'm like, God, I'm going to do this stuff for you and then and we, we're going to get to hang out one day, Jesus. I've had some weeks probably where I've been in that boat. God wants you to know him today and every day while it is called today. When I turned 21, I, um, I didn't have a 21st birthday party. I had a 21st and a quarter birthday party because it was just too much to do in, too much fun to have in life and I couldn't make time. And anyway, I had this 21st and a quarter birthday party and uh, I called it, a coxie party, because in case you don't know, my, my name is Andrew, my last name is Cox, and a lot of people call me Coxie, and that's fine. Um, so I had a coxie party, and the idea was to, for everyone to come dressed as their favourite memory or prediction of my life. And I, I had so much fun looking around that room that night. There was people with afros, and if you didn't know me in my former life, then that's okay. Um, and there was people with these massive, long, curly, grey wigs, and... Um, People dressed in lycra as, as cyclists and other people in wetsuits and people, people as snorkelers and all sorts of fun things that people were dressed up as. But you know, they were predictions and, and thoughts of past moments of my life. But I wanted them there because I wanted to spend time with them that day. And God doesn't just want to have the future you to one day hang out with. He wants to hang out with you today. He wants to be a part of your life today. Point number two, out of the heart, the mouth speaks and we act. We can't fake it if it's not within us. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks and we act. And if our heart is aching, if our heart is sick, we need to come to God and allow him to do a work in us. Because God has called us into relationship with him. He wants us to know him, but he also wants us to tell the world about him. 
God has called us to this mission. And to be honest, we can't make excuses and say, well, my heart isn't really in it, so I'm just going to do the, the fellowship thing. Like, you know, my heart's sort of more there. I don't, I'm not going to fake it. We're responsible for the attitude of our own heart. And if we find ourselves not really caring about the lost, about those who don't yet know Jesus, I want to encourage you to go home Maybe this afternoon, maybe tonight, maybe in the morning, whenever you spend your time with God. And if you haven't been spending time with God, do it sooner rather than later. Fall on your knees and say, God, soften my heart again. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Now, I, I have a thing that some people might call bike riders back. Um, I, I love being in this position. Um, I should, should go that way. Uh, and uh, I, I love riding my bike. And it's fun. I raced on Friday night. And yesterday morning I did 50Ks out with a bunch of guys. And um, I love having conversation on the bike. That's another. Um, but then I, I ride the bike. And then I come and I sit in the office. And I'm reading and preparing sermons and sending emails and things. And I'm sitting in this position again. And just lately I found I, I've had a bad dose of bike riders back. And I get up in the morning and I'm kind of stuck in this position. <laughs> I'm kind of, it's nothing to do with my, the fact that I broke my back, it's sort of lower back and I'm sort of stuck here and I sort of, it takes me about half an hour almost to feel like I can stand up straight some days. But I don't want to get stuck in this position. So, I'm, <laughs> so I've been getting some physio and I'm, I'm working, I'm doing some exercises, I'm doing some stretches because I, I want to have full movement of my body for the glory of God. And in our lives, let's not get stuck in some position where we, are just about me and my life. Let's not get seized up in this position where we're stuck and we can't look up and see the world around us and share the love of God with those around us. Let's come to him and say, God, soften my heart, open my heart, make me flexible and adjustable so that I can love the people you love. Point number three, final point, if the band wants to come. Point number three, mission starts in the simple things. Don't wait to one day do some great thing for God. Do the simple thing you can do today. Love your neighbor. It starts with love. If we love them, we'll see the needs. If we love them, we'll think about what they might need or desire. And I just want to say thank you to those who've given to our, our offerings the last few weeks for Ukraine, for the floods, and Darcy's already talked about those things. And I, I thank God that we can be a generous church, that every year we give over $30,000 to missions and other places and things that are happening. We have teams that run mops and they're here on Wednesdays setting up for a couple of hours and praying for the kids as they do and, and running mops programs. We have Kids Inc. teams and CFC Kids teams and Maybe they'll listen to the podcast later because they're out there serving right now. And Bub's teams and youth teams and people who run life groups and so many people. You give your time and your energy to, to love people and help people know the love of God. I thank God for that. Just lately, personally, I've, I've found myself drawn into another conversation about refugees. And... To be honest, I feel like God's just opening my eyes in a greater sense to what people in our world are going through. And I don't know what your position or your thoughts or your whatever is on it, but did you know that right now today, there are 80 million people who are refugees around our world? One in every hundred people on earth cannot live in their home. 
one in every hundred people have fled their homes and their countries because they just cannot live there. I, I hadn't registered. If you, Some of you are probably way further down the track than me in understanding what's going on. But that just broke my heart. That did something in me and I thought, you know what, I, I don't know what to do. But maybe I can do something. Um, I, as I said, I've been reading up a bit more about it and, and again, I don't know what your position is or whatever, but I feel like mine's shifted. Um, five, ten years ago, we hear about, hear about the boat people. Uh, and to be honest, I feel like things have been portrayed in such a way that we don't know the full story. And people have talked about um, illegal refugees coming to our country and things like that. But did you know, we, we, we were one of the first countries in the world to sign after World War II a, a thingy-ma-bob, a thing, declaration, to say that any person who is at risk of losing their life or whatever, every person should be free to leave their country if they are not safe. We're one of the first countries in the world to sign that. And it is not illegal for a refugee to come to another country. And to be honest, I, I always had the idea that kind of, well, you know, maybe maybe they, that they are jumping in the queue. Like people are waiting in refugee camps to come to Australia and they're, they're coming here without getting in the queue kind of thing. Maybe you've understood that too. And I just want to do the maths with you for a moment. There is no queue as a refugee. If you work out the sums, 80 million people waiting in refugee camps or as refugees around the world today. If you put them in order from one to 80 million, maybe the 80 millionth person on that list, imagine you're waiting to be able to place somewhere, some country, 80 million people, it would take 180 years at the current rate we settle refugees for you to be placed somewhere. I mean, maybe you say, oh, you know what? Half of them actually want to go back to their original countries. Only half of them. Oh, it's only 90 years now for you. Now, Reverend Jacob in, in Kenya, who's a refugee from Sudan, who we've supported as a church. We've helped them um, with their church building that's in the refugee camp. has been there for 20 years. And if I'm honest, I actually don't think he'll probably be ever settled anywhere else. That should break our hearts. That people are seen as stateless. Why do I say that? Because I want you to see whatever it is that God's putting in front of you. Maybe the refugees isn't the thing, but maybe it's that person you see at work that every day they just look sad. Maybe it's, I don't know, whatever it is. And I got involved in this conversation and I kind of, I, I got home from that conversation and said to Rochelle, I don't know what I'm doing, but I've got involved. <laughs> I can't get out. <laughs> I'm joyfully involved now. Um, next Sunday, there's going to be a gathering for refugees at the Rotunda in the Memorial Square, and I'll be there at 2 p.m. Um, and look, I, I sort of think, is turning up going to make any difference? I don't know. But I can go and I can try. Because I think something in our world's got to change. And I want people to see our love for one another. I want people to see our love for the world. That they might know my Saviour. Because I know... Coming to this country won't save them, but a relationship with Jesus Christ will. Thank you, Jesus.
thank God that His love for us never changes. You know, Jesus didn't back out even when He went to the cross because He loved me and He loves you. He loves the lost. He loves the broken and the hurting. And I'm so glad Jesus didn't turn back. And church, I don't want to give you a guilt trip, but I want to say, please, will you open your heart to those that God loves and He gave His life for? Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you for your church. God, I thank you for each person gathered here today. I thank you that we can be here, that we can celebrate what you have done for us, that we have a Saviour in heaven, that we have a risen Saviour who has all authority. God, I just thank you that we can know you and have relationship with you today. God, I pray that we would grow in that, that we would be refreshed by that each and every day. God, I do pray that you would grow us in our sense of calling to your mission of evangelism. Lord, help us not to put a hand to the plow and then get distracted by other things and run off and forget about the world in which you love and you gave your life for. Lord, use us for your glory, God. Lord, help us to be faithful in those little things. That person we see who just needs some love, that person who just needs some support, whatever it might be, that we might love those who need your love. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you, Lord. If there's anyone here today and you're feeling broken, you're feeling lost, God, I just pray that you would bring healing to that person. Thank you, Jesus, that anyone who cries out to you, you will not turn away. If that's you today, I just encourage you to say, God, please help me. If you're there, I need you. Help me understand who you are. Help me understand your love. If you want to invite him, if you've come to that point where you believe Jesus gave his life for you on the cross, I would just say, God, here I am. I give you my life. The Bible says your name is written in the book of heaven the moment we make that choice. We have an awesome, amazing God and Saviour. And His love is for us. And we're going to finish with a song right now as we focus on Him. Thanks, guys.